or your, your caretaker, the person you love the most, and you said, I'm feeling this. And they said, shut up. Don't ever tell me that feeling ever again. <laughs> you would just be like, I don't know what to do. They're like, go to your room and deal with it on your own. I don't ever want to see that again. Like, get it away from me. And I cannot stand looking at you for another second while you're, while you're in this. And, and as a little kid and you didn't know what to do and you just ran away with this thing and you were like, okay, whenever this comes up, I need to be alone because no one in the world ever wants to hear it, deal with it or see it. And it's not okay to have, and I shouldn't have it and it's wrong. And in fact, I should be ashamed of having it. And other people clearly don't have it, only me. So I'm the problem. I'm problematic. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not lovable when I have this feeling. Let's get rid of this feeling. Then I'll be loved, right? This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte, exploring the challenges of the creative call so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. And here we are again for another episode of Brandon and Evan, Way of the Artist. Okay, so this one, we don't really know what we're going to title it yet. So if you've read the title, this is something we came up with after we had the conversation because we've been playing around with the idea of like, what do we call this? But essentially what we're talking about, as far as we know, is getting mesmerized by the past or the future. And I'll let Evan say his bit on it, but why I think this is important is because we were talking about how the mind is this kind of powerful tool and it can make the past and the present so real for us. And this can be useful because memories can help us, you know, avoid making the same mistake over again. And, you know, they can help us remember. So we do it differently or, or in a more intelligent way, whatever it might be. And the future can help us to foresee what might happen if we go this way or that way or whatever, if we don't do anything. And I don't know about you on the other end, but I've definitely experienced this uh, where I can catch myself getting worried about the future and like, well, things are going to go wrong. And it's like, it's almost like maybe you don't even know how things are going to go wrong, but there's just this, and it, it becomes a feeling in your body. And then you're just worried and you're anxious and you're fearful. And this was a big part of why we wanted to get into this conversation because we never really talked about fear directly. But we did want to get into that. So um, there's an element of uh, that's our motivation here. But I think what's what's going to be interesting with this conversation is just, yeah, we have this mind and like storytelling, which great storytelling, actually, it hypnotizes you. You don't realize it. But what's happening is you when, when it's done well and you actually get captured by a story, you you get hypnotized because you place yourself into the role of a character, maybe the main character but you get kind of captured into the story and that's actually hypnotized, right? So you're, and, and mesmerized and hypnotized are, are almost synonymous in certain ways, but you can get mesmerized by a story. You're just captured and you're like in that world. But our past and our future can be like that. Maybe you have like this traumatic memory or this really great memory and you think about it and it's almost like you're brought back there and you're living it again. And if it's a good memory, I mean, hey, it might be good to get mesmerized by it and get all captured in it. But if it's a traumatic one, obviously, you know, these are things that maybe we don't want to be reliving over and over and over again. And people go to therapy for that, right? <laughs> so we can deal with this. But um, 
Yeah. So uh, that's kind of what I think we're getting into as far as I can tell. I'm going to pass it to Evan. He can tell you what he thinks. Yeah, I think that I think that you covered a lot of ground there where it's, you know, I, I like you, you, you've put the focus on the past and the future, but you did bring in the thing of the mind, which was sort of my, my point of focus on it, which was, yeah, like becoming mesmerized by the mind, our brains and, and what they can do. But that very much goes in line with what you're saying about past and future, because you could argue that our ability to, you know, try and predict the future and, and look into the past to pattern things and, and see how things might go. And, you know, it, it's a very, very arguably the most powerful thing that we have as human beings. And as far as we know, we're the only, we're the only species that can really do that. I mean, maybe some other animals can do it to limited capacities, but definitely nowhere near to what we can we can do with it. It's very powerful and very useful. But there's this thing of, of, as we're using this, how this word memorized, sorry, not memorized, mesmerized, <laughs> very different words, about being mesmerized by this ability. And part of the problem that comes with that is that because of how powerful that is, we become of of being able to look into the past and and look into the future is that we actually take that as more real than our present moment of the reality that we are actually living right now that's that's the big problem that comes with that is and and why that's part of the reason why that's such a big problem is that well, the past and the future are not actually are not actually real on in some levels like yes certain things have happened and certain things will we might be able to act accurately or relatively with some accuracy predict but these are all just either projections in either direction you know and we don't remember things exactly as they were like just remembering something that happened or a memory of a person doesn't actually bring that person physically into this space where you can touch them in this moment. It's just, it's your experience of a thought of something, but it's not, it's not your actual reality, right? And that's part of the issue. And, you know, I, I kind of want to bring this into uh, an artistic lens. You know, I'm thinking of it as an actor in terms of you know, what, what I like to teach actors through Meisner and, and other things, but part of the process of that is addressing this exact issue that I always say, it's like the actor's greatest challenge isn't a technical one, it's a human one. And this is precisely th that human problem is, you know, very often actors are, they're looking in the past at a past performance or maybe how someone else did something or whatever, you're thinking about all of that or yeah, like, oh, this performance last time it was bad or this last time it was good. So I want to do the good things again on the next one. And, you know, like there's just, and you're spending all this time thinking about that thing. And then the time of the performance, you're not actually 
you're not in the moment. You're not actually responding to the person in front of you. And the problem with that is that, well, now you're not being truthful mm -hmm. as an actor. You're actually incapable of responding truthfully when, because you're not living in reality. You're not living in the reality of the scene and what's going on. You're living in your idea of what that reality is either before or what you think it should be in the future, right? But you're not actually in direct contact. And so you're not being truthful. So that's why I think acting is such a cool thing and for this subject, because acting is so much about the art form is so much about that moment to moment, like engagement. So I don't know exactly where I was saying that, but it's, it's just an illustration of where in an art and an art and a craft, it shows us the importance of being able to let go of the power of that mind that can do all of those things because it actually is hindering you from that direct contact with reality, from, from being able to respond truthfully to reality as it's presenting itself to you. So that's that mesmerized trick and, and we do it in more places outside of acting, of course. So I don't know if that uh, gives you something to go off of, Brandon, if you got some ideas from there. Yeah, you know, I, I'm realizing as we're going into this topic more, it, you know, the, the importance of being present and how this takes us away from being present. And, um, you know, one thing that I, I try to do when I do find myself getting worried or anxious is to be like, am I okay right now? And, you know, almost always I am. And that's like a presence exercise where it's like, I am okay right now. And my mind wants to go right back into the future again. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you won't be. And it's like, yeah, but hold on. Am I okay right now? And it's just like, and I just kind of, and that's like the first part of the process. It's just like, cause like the feelings can become so overwhelming. Right. And I think this is hard for all of us. Cause sometimes, um, you know, we just have moments in our lives where our feelings kind of consume us and we don't, you know, we're not thinking with our, our, the best part of ourselves. And like the, one of the best ways to actually, um, like beyond the ball in life is to be present, right? Is to be in the moment and to be responding to the moment you're in. And, you know, what I find happens for me is when I get caught in like anxiety and worry is that I miss out on the beauty of the moment. Like there's a lot of times where I'm like, well, everything's really great right now, but I, I get caught and this can last for a while where I get caught in this worry and anxiety. And all of a sudden I've missed like this great, Part, part of my life. I've just kind of missed it because I've been caught in this. And, you know, I think with, I mean, sometimes this stuff's easier said than done, but I do think when you, when you have the inclination for worry and anxiety, I think you have to ask yourself, am I going to do anything about it right now? Or am I not going to do anything about it right now? And there's no right or wrong answer there because sometimes you're not. And if you're not, then I think the answer if after you've made that decision is to be like, Hey, well, let's be present and let's enjoy this moment until I am ready to do something. Or when I decide I will do something. And if you are going to do something, then when you start doing something, you become present and you start solving that problem. You will find that the, the fear and the things go away. Right? So I think that's a big part of the, the future element of this. And then, uh, you know, when it comes to the past, <clears throat> 
I don't find I ruminate about the past so much anymore. I used to, but I did go through a period of time where I did a lot and I was really caught in the past. I was like, oh, this terrible thing happened and this happened and I wish I could have done different and regrets and it comes up every now and then, but not as much. Um, but when it comes to the past, you know, the, the, these memories or these events, especially if they're traumatic, they can kind of haunt you. And then they just kind of like suck the life out of the moment, you know, and they're just, you can start to get depressed and weird feelings start to come up that you don't want. Right. And so one of the things that I've been doing with the past is I've been going like, well, what's the lesson I learned? What was the, what was the good thing that comes from that? You know, how am I better off? Um, and trying to use it as a situation to try to bolster this moment, to make this moment like, you know, better. And, and, um, I don't know if that's necessarily always the best answer. I'm not necessarily sure, but like the, a lot, the other thing too, and this is a technique I learned through like psychology, which is that when you have a memory, um, you always remember like, so the first time it happens, you remember it happening. But after that, you always remember remembering it happen. So every memory of a traumatic event is a carbon copy of that memory, carbon copied over and over and over again. So what you're remembering is actually remembering, remembering it. So the last time you remembered it, you remember the way you remembered it. So one of the techniques that you can use is you can kind of, um, change the memory to serve you. So like if it's a traumatic thing, um, the experience might be like up close and personal. It's very vivid. It's very rich and like in your face. So one of the techniques you can do is like push it like a hundred miles away from you. And like, you're looking at it happen like way, way off in the distance. Like it's so far away from you, you can barely even see what's happening. And remember it that way. And then saturate it, like, like, or, or desaturate it. Like, take all the color out of it. Make it kind of dull. Make it almost like a little bit fuzzy, you know? Uh, make the people in it like cartoon characters. Like, you know, and so you're kind of fucking with your memory a little bit when you do this. But what happens is you interpret the memory differently. It becomes, you become like almost like you're watching a show. Because one of the problems with the past is that we get mesmerized into like, we're so hypnotized into it. It's so personal to us. And if you think about it, like we've watched many movies or shows, most of us, and something traumatic happens to someone else, but we don't necessarily walk away tra traumatized from that, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at an event that happens in your past and you actually kind of separate yourself from it, um, I do think that there's probably some mindfulness and some care because you can dissociate, I suppose, to some degree. And I think you have to be like, I think that there's, I think there's ways to approach this, which are maybe healthy and I'm, I'm not an expert on all of that. But like one of the things that I did was I just kind of moved things away from me, desaturated the image, um, you know, kind of changed the tone and the feel of it just so I could look at it differently. And then when I kind of detached myself from it personally, I didn't find it haunted me as much. And then I could, and then one day I was just kind of like, well, you know, that happened and here's what I learned and now I'm moved on. Um, so for those of us who are caught in the past, but the, I think at the end of the day, here's the point. I mean, we're talking about how the mind is so freaking powerful, like, yeah. and it's the thing that helps us create the art. But I mean, like, 
yeah, I think part of this, uh, you know, every conversation we have is a little bit about how an artist can approach life in a way that creates something beautiful, even out of something messy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think one of the things that you and I often try to do is we just try to bring something to the present and look at it a little closer and kind of figure, figure out how, well, how do we navigate this a little bit better? You know, are there approaches that we can creative approaches or different, uh, different ways we can kind of work around this. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, that's something that kind of came up for me and I, I think, um, let me bring it back full circle. Anything that can get us to be present when we need to be present I think is something we need to learn and figure out how to do. Cause I think we don't spend enough of our life present. And I think that's part of the issue. Um, this whole mesmerization about like being mesmerized by the future or being mesmerized by the past or just letting our mind mesmerize us by like even our imagination. I think it's just about doing it mindfully because I feel like when we get caught in worry or depression or whatever the feeling is, that's because it's not mindful. We're not doing it consciously. It's not our choice. Like there's that question. And you asked me this a long time ago. I don't know where you got it from or if you came with it on your own, but is, if I could feel any way that I wanted to feel, is this the way I would feel or, you know, whatever. And that's a great question to ask yourself to check in, to see if this mesmerization is working for you or not. Yeah, there's, so there's a lot, there's a lot of directions that I want to take here. I mean, I think you've really illustrated to me there through, through what you were saying is just how sick we can make ourselves through our minds, right? Like anxiety and worry and, and chronically so, which many, many, if not most people uh, probably deal with uh, to some, to some varying degree. That's, that's part of the, that mesmerization right? I'm, I'm afraid of this thing that's happening in the future. I'm afraid of this thing that happened before happening again, right? And I'm spending all of this time thinking about this thing and I'm making myself sick because of it. And when, as you're saying, like in the moment, well, nothing bad's happening and there's nothing necessarily to indicate that a bad thing that happened before is about to happen again. You know what I mean? But we'll still sit there and we will keep ourselves up at night and, you know, like actually sometimes make ourselves feel sick to the stomach with worry. I've been there before mm -hmm. where I've just like, I can't, I, I haven't even been able to eat. Like I had to force myself to eat because I was so worried about something. And, you know, you brought in the word mindful, which was kind of right at that moment. I was saying, well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's very much a part of meditation and why so many people are such big advocates of meditation is because it's mindful. In fact, very often it's called mindful meditation, right? And, and a big part of that is about just learning to observe your thoughts without grabbing onto them, right? It's that compulsion. Like that's really part of the, the problem of, of that thing. Like that's the compulsion is like the opposite of the mindful aspect of it. You're either mindful or you're compulsive, right? And and compulsively thinking about these things that that make you that make you sick, that make you worried and 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 whatnot. And meditation, one way of thinking about it is that in 
context of this conversation is that it's actually about breaking that mesmerization. It's about not becoming mesmerized by the thoughts anymore, right? Like it's, you know, because in a very simple for anyone who's never tried meditation before, I mean, there's many different forms, but specifically what's sort of known as mindfulness meditation is very much this process of sitting, either observing your breath or, you know, or sometimes it's just relaxing the mind with, for lack of a better way of putting it. And it's not about stopping the thoughts, but it's just, you notice the thought, right? It's like, you just notice it without clinging onto it, grabbing it and following it down its rabbit hole, which is so often what we're doing, right? We grab onto that thing and we're just, and, and it's, oh, carrying us around it's just dragging us around all over the place right and instead just like oh i see that thought and you just go back to your breath you focus back on your breath again and the thought just sort of fades away right and and it's very much a part of okay let's let's break away from the mesmerizing capacity that the mind has because it definitely can we can we can paint all kinds of pictures for ourselves again past and and future right and create all kinds of wonders and horrors through that whole process and hey look that's a tremendous capacity like, that was another thing i was thinking about as you were talking to to bring it back into the realm of acting right because you know i was initially talking about okay well that whole process can really it, it takes you away from being able to truthfully respond with your scene partners and, and what's going on. However, as an actor, I am also very much employ the strengths of my mind to do certain things, right? If I need to walk into the scene fuming angry, I can take my mind, I can, I can go somewhere with my mind that will get me to a real hot emotional state, right? And that's me using my mind in a way that's actually helping me to perform. Now, without getting too much into it as an actor, then it's like, it's the moment you walk in, you've got to let that go. You got to stop thinking about that thing so you can be present and responsive, right? But that's very much a part of, of, of that craft and, it, and, it's, and it's an essential tool as an actor in order to, to be full and alive and real and, and all of those, those things. And I mean, without getting too much into the, into the weeds of it, you know, I always employ my imagination when I'm doing those things, as opposed to trying to draw from real experiences that I've had for, a, there's a variety of reasons why I, I don't think that that's the best way to work, but, but um, yeah, just, so it's not just all about, well, hey, the, our, our minds are just problematic, right? It's like, no, it's, it's not true. They're, our minds are just, they're, they're, they're these sensitivity. It's, it's this massive sensitive organ that we have that, that makes us intelligent in so many different ways and gives us so many capacities in in our lives but where where does it's where is its best utility and where are we using 
our minds against us. And I think that to a large degree, that's a lot of what we're talking about in this, in this conversation, which is, okay, but where, where is, where are our minds becoming a problem, right? Where are our minds creating issues where there aren't, or just getting in the way of, of our other faculties and other intelligence, because we're, we aren't just our intellects, right? But we have very much in the Western world, the intellect is king with everything. And in fact, sometimes to the absolute exclusion of all else, right? To, to a point where we can't even, where we, we try to just rationalize our emotions. You know, it's like emotions are these problem things, right? Oh, if only I didn't have these pesky fucking emotions, right? And that's a whole conversation about how we're actually trying to turn ourselves into machines and stuff like that. <laughs> or you can go that direction. But I mean, there is an argument to say that if you look at a lot of how we operate in society, we do treat ourselves like machines in many ways. We And we expect ourselves to be like machines, to be able to function, to be able to perform at, you know, like without limitation or without with basically trying to strip any limitation out from us you know and it's and that's a, a problem too right so i'll leave it there because i feel like i'm about to get into the weeds so i've said enough why well, you know that's i mean that's an interesting topic to 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 broach there is like the whole turning ourselves into machines i think that if we're all honest with ourselves we can all relate to that a little bit because when the feelings come up that don't feel good I think there's, for most of us, or at least a lot of us, there is like this kind of response of like, how quickly can I, can I get away from this one? How quickly can I avoid it, dodge it, distract myself from it or whatever? And I know that I do this and I'm working on it. Like one of the things I'm working on is when a feeling that I don't like comes up, uh, is to sit in it and to be like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening. And, um, you know, I think when a bad feeling comes up, well, I can, I guess I can only speak for myself, but it's like when a bad feeling comes up or like quote unquote bad, negative, challenging, I don't know, whatever. I, I have this kind of immediate response of like, this is never going to end. And like, there's a part of me that knows it's going to end, but it's like, but when, and I, I don't know how long I can take this for. So it's like, I'm kind of negotiating it all the time. And, um, and what I'm realizing is that this type of behavior, this, this type of avoidance of certain feelings has like, it's like I'm trying to do my life without an arm. And it's like, I have one arm and cause the other one, if I use it, that feeling will come up. It's kind of like that. So what I'm realizing is that, okay, I need to learn how to use this feeling and like see that this feeling is a part of me because then once I do, then I can use it. And then I have full access to myself, right? So, um, one of my limitations, and I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate if they're honest with themselves, is that I have discovered that there are emotions I avoid and by avoiding them, I actually have only a certain access to myself because there's this no go zone. Um, so that's, that's interesting, right? Because I can definitely relate to the wanting to almost not be human when those feelings come up. Like all I want to do is like, I'd rather feel nothing. And I get why people would go to things like, 
You know, I've often gone to video games as a way to distract myself from those feelings, but I get why people go to drugs or alcohol or, or whatever they go to, to get away from that feeling. Cause like th- the worst feeling that I have, and I was talking to Evan about this before we recorded actually, but it's like the worst feeling I have. And I've heard other people talk about this. It feels like death. And I was like, I never really understood that, but I'm understanding that more now in that it's kind of like there's a, there might be a feeling inside of you. And I, I don't know if everybody has this, but um, I've definitely experienced it. It's like the feeling is so bad. You almost want to die. And that's why it's like death because you're like, if I could go to sleep and never wake up to not have this feeling, I would. It's like so bad. Like, but I don't know how to explain why it's so horrible. It's just like a nightmare feeling. And um, it could be tapped in. Like if you, if you fight, try to figure out what that feeling is and why you avoid it, could be tapped into trauma. It could be something that wasn't, you know, that wasn't okay when you're a kid. I don't know. But um, I'm like learning to kind of like when this feeling comes up is to be like, this is okay to have this feeling. Like that's the first thing that I'm, I'm, you know, beginning to recognize, okay, this feeling is, this isn't a problem. It's okay to have this feeling. And you know what? Uh, I know it feels like a nightmare. I know I feel like I can't handle it for even another second. And I know that I feel like it's going to last forever, or at least it's going to last longer than I ever want it to, to last. But there is something about the fact that I'm in con- confrontation with this or, or interaction with this that is actually good. And there's something that, um, you know, Evan, you pointed this out uh, earlier, but it's like, it might be trying to tell me something. And if I could just listen to it and not listen to it from like, what if this happens in the future or whatever, but just like, like just listen to well, why is this feeling here and what is it trying to tell me and what's the what's the whole thing about it right and and just and, and not do anything about it but just hear it because like imagine you were a kid and i think this is a this is a good way to look at it. imagine you're a little or your your caretaker or the person you love the most and you said i'm feeling this and they said shut up don't ever tell me that feeling ever again <laughs> You would just be like, I don't know what to do. They're like, go to your room and deal with it on your own. I don't ever want to see that again. Like, get it away from me. And I cannot stand looking at you for another second while you're while you're in this. And and as a little kid and you didn't know what to do and you just ran away with this thing and you were like, okay, whenever this comes up, I need to be alone because no one in the world ever wants to hear it, deal with it or see it. And it's not okay to have and I shouldn't have it and it's wrong. And in fact, I should be ashamed of having it. And other people clearly don't have it, only me. So I'm the problem. I'm problematic. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not lovable when I have this feeling. Let's get rid of this feeling. Then I'll be loved, right? And see, it spirals, right? So it just goes down this road. And I think these feelings that we spend our life avoiding or dodging are like that. Um, so I, so to come back again, yeah, this machine thing, I think when that feeling or those types of feelings come up for us, we we definitely go, yeah, like I could do the machine thing. I could, you know, um, one last thing before I pass it on to you is that something that I have, um, become aware of, well aware of, I would say is that our mind is designed to make us survive. And this is 
one of those things where it's like great that we have it, but it can easily be used against us and we use it against us ourselves all the time. So, um, you know, something bad happens to you in the past or something traumatic or something violent or something, whatever. And you go, I know I'll never let that happen again. And then our strategies are usually not updated to better strategies. So the strategy is, I know I'll like, Kids laughed on me when I stepped up on stage, so I'll never step up on stage ever again. And so then you, you know, you, you have these strategies, which are basically just designed around avoidance. Like I just won't do these things anymore and I'll always be okay. But then life calls on you to do them and you go, well, that's one of my no go zones. And so then you get crossed between this, like, Hey, my dreams and safety. And the thing is the brain will always choose safety over the dream until it can understand that it can go for the dream and still be a, be safe. So I feel like this is a big part of the mesmerization problem is that we get mesmerized into like a child made that decision. A child made that decision on how to deal with that emotion, not a conscious mindful adult. So that's a lot of the healing processes we grow up. We have to kind of figure out, you know, and our parents or teachers or friends might have done everything they could to help protect us, take care of us and care for us. But then just some incident happened and all of a sudden now it becomes a no go zone. And, uh, you know, and, and anyway, I, I think that would be interesting to explore. I feel like I've been talking a bit, so I'm gonna pass it over. Well, I mean, the word that comes to mind in what you're saying is, is conflict and particularly in, in this conversation, in conflict with yourself, right? Because as you're saying, there's this thing that maybe, yeah, you had this negative experience of something like getting up on stage and, and you really loved doing it when you, when you did it, but then someone shat on you or knocked you down for it or whatever it was. And, and so you just like, Oh, okay, I'll never do that again. And now whenever you see somebody performing on stage, there's a part of you that's just like, oh my God, like I really want to do that. But then, you know, you got your mind just being like, you remember what happened last time? Even if that <laughs> yeah. specific memory doesn't come up, because sometimes it's yeah. after time goes by, it can become a very ambiguous kind of just a general feeling of like, ooh, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a bad thing. Don't, don't do it. And now you, you're actually in conflict with yourself because there's, there's another, as I saying, intelligent part of yourself that's saying, I really want to do that thing. That thing really makes me feel alive. And, but you've got a mind that is now in conflict with that, that thing, right? And that conflict in yourself requires a lot of energy <laughs> and, and will create a lot of it just creates a lot of turmoil, right? And, you know, I, I've talked to you a little bit about this, like uh, in terms of, of what's known as somatic therapy, which I've done a couple of, of sessions with that, which is, yeah, very often it's, to, to my understanding of it, a lot of it is about looking at, those emotions, those things that, that come up, those, those fears in particular, right? Fears and guilts and, and stuff like that. And, and trying to listen to it from as if you were the good parent, not the one who's just like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Yeah. 
but and 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 really listening to that that feeling as if it's as if it's a child right as if it it was you as a kid in in a moment in where you you really need something and you know one of the words that that the the therapist that i was working with you know or or expressions that that she brought into it was just to go like well that makes sense <laughs> right not to not to just try and shove it away but but to to start from that place i thought was really helpful and it was interesting because she brought it up after it was like our second session you know and we had a good a good first session and i felt good about it leaving it. and then i for whatever reason on our second i felt like sharing this with her where i said you know like i felt really good after our first session and then like the next day and a few other little moments in between you know i i just had these feelings every now and then of just feeling really embarrassed about it <laughs> about feeling embarrassed about the things that i said and 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 the moments of vulnerability that that i had and that was when she's like well that makes sense you know <laughs> like because you don't know me really well you know and all this stuff and it was just like oh like you know here is a person who is actually embodying the thing that you know she's trying to teach me how to do with myself right but of being like well hey like that's not that's not a stupid notion because that's what i started doing right actually i started going like but then i thought hey you're being ridiculous like this is a good thing and da 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 like like rationalizing right and that's another mesmerization trick that our intellects can do it's just like let's just like like we can just bypass this whole very important and very intelligent aspect of ourselves he's like no we can just we can hack this somehow we can reroute this <laughs> and never have to feel that yeah. and you know and and rationalize this thing away and we'll be and we'll be good but we're not you know we're not good because the this whole thing has a life and intelligence that that needs to be listened to mm -hmm. right it's it has something important to say that the intellect can't just it, that's not in its wheelhouse right but um yeah just just to have have someone or or a party say it's like well yeah that that makes sense that thing that you're feeling makes sense right instead of instead of saying well that that's that's silly or or trying to just oh look at the positive side or find the so you know there's there's look there's benefit to positive thinking i'm not going to completely throw that out the out the window but you know there is something about just really being fully present to something that we might ordinarily try to run from a feeling that we might try to and just go like hey that makes sense right that makes sense that you're feeling that way it's not ridiculous that's not a ridiculous thing that it's like it's like there's a reason why you feel that way yeah. right and a very and, and, and a very reasonable again sensible reason why you you feel that way and and you're having this reaction to this thing let's let, let's and let's acknowledge those things mm -hmm. right let's acknowledge what those things are first right because because once those things can get aired out right it's we can we can then go to another level right we can we can go to another but sometimes we got to deal with that stuff that's just right there on the surface right but you know we're again we're we can become 
so mesmerized, coming back to that word, by a very powerful ability to 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 shove things to the side. Because like don't get me wrong, like our our minds can do a very good job of of doing that. You know, like they're they're very effective in their own way of helping us to uh, or of being able to sort of compartmentalize something and and whatever but it can't get rid of it you know it's kind of like it's kind of <laughs> this is the example that comes to mind i don't know how people feel about it but whatever you know it's kind of like our you know you mentioned like drugs like a lot of pharmaceutical drugs which look i'm again i'm never ever completely just crapping on anything because I, I do think that um pharmaceuticals do have a place in our in our world but a lot a lot of how that world works and what a lot of those drugs do is they actually don't fix anything right they they, they don't they don't actually take care of the problem they just mask or numb or they just help to make the thing manageable mm -hmm. in some kind of in some kind of a way but it it's not actually addressing the the problem right. that that you're actually having right it's just dealing with the symptoms of the issue you know it's like it's not like antibiotics which is like okay yeah that's actually getting to the root of the problem right it's it's actually just some sort of a cover right and our i think our minds are and our intellects are are kind of like that they're kind of like that pharmaceutical that's like well it's not it's not actually dealing with the emotion just just so you know that it's not actually sorting that feeling out <laughs> not really not truthfully it's just putting a a postponed thing on it it's like it's like you've it's like you've you've put it into you've you've wrapped it in a package and you've shipped it off to an address that doesn't exist, <laughs> you know, and it's eventually it's returned to sender yeah. and it's going to come back in the mail again. You're just like, Oh fuck this yeah, again. <laughs> All right. I'll ship it off somewhere else this time. See if it sticks. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Evan. And this episode is brought to you by my book. Yes. I recently released a book called the actors awakening, connecting spirituality to craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. I like, I like the way you're looking at that. I think that's good. You know, this... Um I think that, yeah, that's an important thing. Like pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, you know, let's say drugs, video games, um, sometimes alcohol, you know, this type of thing. Uh, I don't food. know. Sex, food. Yeah. All this stuff. Right. I think it's important to recognize that if you're just trying to manage a feeling, I think it's good to be honest with yourself about, okay, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm managing. And, um, and you know, you can kind of, you know, sometimes you got to get through something and you're like, yeah, I just need to manage this right now. And I will, I will put the fire out later. I'll deal with the whole thing later. And I think that if you're honest with it, this can help you because I think another thing, you know, in our culture too, people need to believe they can heal stuff. 
And I'd say this is my biggest gripe with the way we look at health these days is that things can be healed. And I don't think that a lot of people believe that. I think that they look at it as like, this is a cross-eyed bear and I have to figure out how to manage it. And if I manage it and if I keep on top of it, I can get through life. And then they spend the rest of their life managing it. And because they believe that's all you can do. And, um, look, I'm, I, this might piss some people off and this is my opinion. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, step on anyone's toes here because I, I do understand like mental health is in certain cases, it's, it's one of those things that needs to be managed in some cases. In some cases, it's not actually needs to be managed. It needs to be healed because you've gone down a road that has, you've, you've, you've misled yourself down a road. So one of those areas of mental health, which is depression. So there are people who are of the belief that once you are, if you're depressed, that was something you were like born with, you're a depressed person, you know, it's a chemical imbalance and whatever. And maybe in some cases, this is true, but I would say in a lot of cases, it's actually not true. And, um, there, there are, you know, and look, I'm not a mental health expert, so there's probably nuance in this that, that could be explored far further than what I'm about to try to, you know, speak my mind about here. But sometimes we get depressed because our mind has taken us down a path of perceiving that is not healthy, not serving us, is probably incorrect, and also is getting us something that we think we want, but we don't really want. So something that I've learned about depression, because I like, I went through a period of it and, you know, I have, I have moments where it comes up and I think everybody, I think it's, first of all, here's one thing I want to say. It's okay to feel depressed. It doesn't mean you're a depressed person. Don't label yourself a depressed person. Even if you feel depressed for a little while, like, you, you were depressed for a little while. Like, don't go, oh, I'm depressed. I am a depressed person. Don't label yourself that. That's the first, that's the first trick that happens where we don't believe we can be healed. Because then you label yourself and then it becomes an identity. And once it becomes an identity, then you have to break a whole identity apart. That's a whole other deal, right? So if I feel an emotion for five minutes, am I that emotion? Most people go, no. If I feel it for five days, am I that emotion? Most people go, no. Five weeks? No, five years, people start to go, oh, five years, mm, you might, you might have a problem. Okay. So what if I felt it for five fucking years? Maybe that's how long it took for me to work through whatever the fuck that was. But if it ended after five years and I didn't have it before and I don't have it now and I'm kind of through it, is it me? And people go, no. So here's an, here's a thought. Um, and this is an Alan Watts thing. And I, <laughs> you know, I thought, you know what? I'm sure this will find its way somewhere. And here's the spot. Alan Watts, uh, who is a great speaker and a theologist, philosopher, whatever. I, I'm, we like him. Anyway, uh, he said this one thing about how the human body is more like the horse and our true self is more like the jockey. The jockey, like riding the horse. You know what I mean? And so I think sometimes like we we don't realize that like we're like our body is going to feel stuff, but that isn't necessarily us. Like 
you, you respond to these feelings, you listen to these feelings, they tell you something, they give you feedback, but in some ways, like you're the mind that's not even in the body of the horse. Like you're above it and you're like, you're looking at yourself respond and you're kind of making judgments about it. And, and I'm, you know, whatever, I'm taking this into my own realm here, but like, I think that it's interesting to look at things like when you feel an emotion, not getting so mesmerized to decide that, Hey, this is me. And this happened. And also you said something interesting. And this is what I want to bring up. Not thinking that you necessarily always understand why it's there. Like, I love what the therapist said, where she goes, well, that makes sense. And I think that's a great approach. I love that. And I think a lot of times, like probably even 95% of the time that solves the problem. Yeah. If we could just go, that makes sense why I feel that way. And we didn't make it wrong. We didn't make it bad. We just go, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I'm a little freaked out about that. That makes sense. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. That's normal feeling. This is a natural response. But sometimes I think feelings come up and then we go, oh, this happened. This I'm feeling this because of this thing that happened when I was a kid. And it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe you're like tying everything back to this event in your life that doesn't actually have a lot to do with this. And maybe it contributed in some way, but don't give it so much credit. Maybe you're just having a feeling and maybe that's okay too, that you don't know why you're having the feeling and that, and I think this is where the, we've, we've been talking a bit about this in this conversation. That's where when a feeling comes up, that's why I think we need to stop, be present with it and listen to it because I know for me, sometimes I go, yeah, I'm feeling anxious and fearful because I was bullied in high school and now I'm really worried that everyone's going to bully and pick on me. And then I, and then I kind of go, I'm not really worried that that's going to happen. And I, of course I know how to deal with bullies now. And so that's not really an issue. And then it's like, well, then why the fuck do I have this feeling? It's like, well, maybe your body just feels something similar to that and you don't know how to interpret it and deal with it. And so you're trying to you're trying to make sense of it and it doesn't feel okay to not know where it is. And instead of doing that, it's like, why don't you just like listen to the feeling? And like, sometimes you have a feeling of fear and it's not to do with your past at all or your future. It's just your body saying, hey, can you stop, please? Can we stop? Like we, we need to stop. Like whatever's happening right now can't move forward anymore. I need to stop. Can you imagine if you were with a little kid and the little kid was really freaked out and all you, and the kid just wanted to stop and you just stopped and you're just like, Hey, let's just be for a minute. What's, you know, and you're just like, well, I don't know what's around the next corner. Okay. Well, that makes sense. You know? And that's like, well, you know, last time we went around the corner, this bad thing happened. Okay. And it's like, might not happen this time, but okay. You know, so it's like, and we work it out. We go, okay. So what do we want to turn the corner? Well, yeah. Or do you want to go back? No, I don't really want to go back. I want to go forward. Okay. So what do we need to be in place to turn the corner? And you kind of have this conversation. And that's why I'm saying like, this is the Alan Watts thing about the jockey and the horse or the, the parent and the child. I think these are good ways to look at ourselves sometimes when we're in the feeling. It's like um, to separate ourselves a little bit from it and be like, there's the part of me that's in this. And then there's the part of me that's outside of this. I also love the analogy of the writer and the actor. The, you know, the, the actress says to the writer, um, yeah, like you're about to put me through hell and I, I don't know if I can take it. And the writer goes, okay, don't worry. It all works out in the end. <laughs> like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, uh, but the only way we're going to tell a story is if we go forward. So, you know, and, and I feel like there's a certain amount of 
our mind is so powerful, we can actually separate ourselves from ourselves. And sometimes we need to do that because when we're in it, you just can't see clearly, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I want to go back to something something that you said about healing and and because there's there is uh something that I can see as being very pragmatic about having the attitude the the belief that that you can that you can heal anything, right? There's something that I think that there's probably more benefit to to having an outlook that way than not. However, you know, I have met people who who you know have dealt with or 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 live with, you know, depression and they they got a lot out of someone saying to them well like basically like this this will never be healed right you'll you'll never you'll never heal this this is always something that you're you're going to have right and i think that that's it it's like one of those things where it's like you're you're dealing with it through like a sort of like equal and opposite force right because i still go it's like oh so by someone telling you that you wouldn't get healing from it, you actually got healing from it. You know, like it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of way how that, how that can work. Yeah. It's like, um, I, I can't think of the word. There's actually a word for it. You know, it's almost like a, a homeopathic approach to, <laughs> to confronting some of these things. But like, I, I understand that to a certain degree, right? Because I've heard a lot of stories of people who just, there's, there's a kind of anxiety and stress that, that can come with people being like, I can heal this, right? How come I can't heal this? I'm still dealing with this. I'm not healing this, right? And then someone comes along and gives them permission for it to just be what it is, right? And, and suddenly it's just like, oh, and in a way it's like you, you're now actually allowing the way that that thing that you're feeling, you're, you've actually allowed it more of a voice. You've actually given it more space, right? And, and through that process, you actually have found some healing through it, right? But, but you couldn't do it through that direct path. You know, there was a, there was, we had to sort of flip, flip it on its head a little bit in order to, in order to, to find that kind of thing. So that was just something I wanted to comment on in, in, in what you were saying. Oh yeah, you got something? Well, no, I, I like how you're, I, I like that you brought this up because I do, you know, I'm thinking about communication is such an interesting thing because w- as we're trying to say something, we all we also have blind spots. So we don't always know if we're like, ha- we don't know sometimes where we're misstepping as we think we're clear over here and then, oh, maybe I'm misstepping over here. And I do think that there is a certain element of, you know, we were t- I, I, met, I brought up depression, so like, let me take that on for a sec. I do think that there is a certain amount of going like, well, you're depressed and depression is something you have. And, you sh- and if you just accept this, I think what happens is you stop fighting it and that's what healing is. But 
you know, as someone who's gone through a bout of depression and experienced kind of the lows, um, what I found when I kind of came out the other side of it was like, I was like, wow, like everybody's depressed. This <laughs> is like, there's some people just have better ways of fucking not dealing with it and hiding it. Like really what happened is I started facing some shit that I just never faced before. And also I saw some shit that I didn't know existed. And I, I guarantee if anybody saw what I saw and experienced what I experienced, they would have some fucking shock and awe and, and you know, and that's what happened. And so granted, if you do have a chemical imbalance, if that is, you know, like medically, if that's a thing going on, I think there's a certain amount of practicality too to accept that that's what's happening and to be like, well, you know, I just tend to not release as much serotonin into my brain. And so what ends up happening is I just feel lower than most people feel because it's just an, it's a dysregulation and it shouldn't really happen that way, but it happens this way for me. And so, and, and to me, I'm like, well, okay, don't make yourself bad about that. You know, some people are born without an arm or they lose an arm or they lose a leg or they lose a limb or something like this. And if they went around going like, my arm's going to grow back, you'd be like, well, look, I mean, maybe we can make a prosthetic for you, but like pretending like something is going to change that is just not going to change, um, unless the technology or whatever, uh, comes to help it out. I think that's a certain part of being in reality and being present. And so, yeah, I think like there is a certain amount of healing is not always what we like. Like, I think when we think of healing, we're like, yeah, everything's going to be back to hundred percent. No problems. It's like, no, sometimes healing is acceptance and, uh, healing is just going like, yeah, well this happened and nothing's going to change that. And it is what it is. And so moving forward, uh, you know, um, and man, everything under the sun has happened to people like, you know, things that you can't even imagine, like just everything under the sun, like just the, the people have been horrible to each other in ways that is probably just about every way possible that you can even, in ways that you can't even imagine until someone shows you. And so then you're like, well, I didn't even know that existed. This is why I think like, there's a certain amount of like, everybody has their story and everybody has their life experience and what happens. And I think that healing our journey is like, especially if you have something that's kind of very unique or rare is to go, well, I, in, despite that happening, I'm here and now, um, I'm, you know, and, and it might not feel fair. I think part of it is, you know, I think sometimes you need to like healing is going, well, it isn't fair. And then hearing someone else saying, oh no, that isn't fair. And that's the heal, you know, as opposed to like managing it the whole time and trying to pretend like you're like everyone else when you're kind of not like everyone else. Cause something happened that's very weird and different and no one else really knows what that's like except you. And that is very rare, but it does happen occasionally where someone is in our life who has had this very like, kind of an anomaly experience and all they need is to be witnessed, you know? Um, like I think, I think part of, um, understanding healing is going, sometimes I just need someone else to hear this and to, to see me. And then you're healed because 
you've been spending your whole life and no one could see it. No one acknowledged it. No one, you know, um, no one said, Hey, yeah, that's not good. And then the moment someone says, yeah, you know what? That wasn't good. And you go, Oh, what a relief. Someone else sees that this isn't good. And then you kind of can like move on now because in a way you got that vindication of it, you know, where it's like, I'm like, cause I feel like our minds are so powerful too, as I'll pass this in a second is like, we convince ourselves we're crazy to have these feelings or to, to think this way. And it's like, you're not that crazy. Actually, that's a pretty reasonable, <laughs> that's pretty understandable, you know? And I think a lot of the time when we feel a little crazy or when we feel a little like, um, lost or alone, sometimes we just need someone or something out there to kind of go, yeah, like that's understandable that you like, like, for example, uh, uh, I'll just use my, my own story. I was bullied as a kid. I don't get bullied anymore, but I was bullied as a kid and it's understandable that I would have sometimes reservations of putting myself out there because I wouldn't want to get bullied again. It's a perfectly understandable, reasonable thing that my mind would go, wait a minute, last time we got bullied. And so I think like what I'm realizing partly through this conversation is that if I have that fear come up, it's going, okay, this happened before. So it's perfectly reasonable that we have this fear. If this happens again, like not what are we scared is going to happen, but like what, what would we do and how would we respond? And what, like, if this was someone else, like the jockey on the horse again, it's like, if I was the coach or the, the jockey to the horse and the horse was going through the thing, what would I do? What would I tell them? What would I, you know, and we remove ourselves from the experience. Cause when I was a little kid getting bullied, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know, you know, some people, I wish I just punched them back like day one, but you know, I didn't know what to do this isn't day one anymore, you know, and part of the healing process of like, you know, bullying's brutal, but like part of the healing process of bullying is recognizing that you're not the same person that was bullied. Um, and, and, and I think this is an interesting conversation about healing because healing is not always the way we want it to be. It's not that the bullying won't exist anymore. It's like, I think we look at healing today as this kind of thing is like, if I'm healed, then it never happened. And it's like, no, healing is you, you, you experienced the wound or the injury and you mended it. Doesn't mean the scar is gone. And it doesn't mean you don't remember injury was like either. Well, yeah. Cause if we don't have that, then we're not really human. Right. right? That's, that's, that's part of it. Like it's, it's part of being human is that, yeah, like healing doesn't, isn't the absence of these, of these things, but that these experiences when we've healed them actually make us more compassionate and empathetic people, you know, like that's, that's, I think really what healing does with, with when, when it happens, right. It turns something that, you know, we we're talking about being closed off in our last conversations of, but you know, we can become closed off, reactive, even hostile, when we're unhealed mm -hmm. from things, right? And when we heal it, it transforms those things. Suddenly it's just like, whoa, you can tell me about some experience in your life and s some sort of pain maybe that hasn't healed for you. And I can, 
I can hear that and I can go, Ooh, yeah, I know what that's about. I mean, that's if, cause if you didn't have that thing, you couldn't do that mm-hmm. for another person, mm-hmm. you know? And you know, that's something in this, in this conversation that that's fascinating to me about this whole thing about the mind and, and this other aspect of our, of ourselves that has an intelligence and Cause it's like when you tell somebody about a painful experience or something that's going on for you and they answer you from an intellectual point of view, right? They an- answer you from sort of just like an analytical, like, mm, you know, do you think that comes from, you know, a da, 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 or, a, or, you know, maybe some general, platitude of of some kind of just being like hey well you know you know this too shall pass and uh you know it's just healing doesn't happen that way when when it comes to those things but when you have someone who comes from a place and they just go like oh my god yeah that sounds so rough and that you know like and suddenly you're just like oh fuck Oh, like, you know, like there's just, you're like, you're like, think like you're, you know, that thing you're saying like, okay, think I'm not crazy. Right. Like this is, you know, that I'm, it's, this is a perfectly appropriate response to what's going on, you know, because sometimes the thing it just, it needs to have the complete floor and the mind can, can just get in the way of that thing. It's just be like, dude, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Like, this is like, this is. But, it, you know, it's, in a way, <laughs> you have to use that expression of like, well, that makes sense, right? Of that, of why the head's coming into that, into that thing, because it, it, you have to see it as, you know, it's a well-intentioned, <laughs> it's a well-intentioned idiot when it comes to the, to, to that matter, because it's just like, look, I'm just trying to keep that hurt from happening again, right? I'm just trying to keep you from getting hurt, right? The, the problem is that it actually doesn't really know anything about, about it. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't, like it, again, all it knows is how to do is like, like, let's just try and ship it off, right? To use that analogy again, like, let's just ship it off to some address somewhere, you know, and then it'll come back to return center. We'll try and ship it off to another place, but it's like, it's, it, it doesn't know. Otherwise it doesn't really know what to do with it. Right. So it, but we, again, we, we give the, that power of, of the intellect and its ability to, to mesmerize us. Right. Um, we give it so much authority and, and I would say we give it more authority than, than anything else within our sort of senses as human beings. Like we've put, we've, we've given it so much focus and so much attention and we've developed it so much, you know, it's almost like we think that we can develop it to the point where we don't have to feel anymore. Right. But I, I think that if you look at, you know, the mental health data year to year to year to year, this is a failed experiment. <laughs> you know, this is a, this is a failed endeavor at this point in time. We're starting to recognize that. We're starting to recognize that um, in our society that's like, oh, okay, you know what? Maybe we do need to start listening to these things and we need to, to find 
a different tact in terms of of how we deal with our full humanness and that that's and that's a good thing that's not actually a weakness that these things actually are are what make us stronger in in so many respects and and you know and we should probably wrap this one up pretty soon but you know something that i had said to you and and to bring this back into some of my knowledge of you know the of acting and and stuff like that but you know part of what i teach meisner for anyone who hasn't listened to me yammer on about this shit <laughs> in the past um which i love but so much of it is 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 the the training is about it's in many ways it's about reconditioning actors minds into where are you putting your attention and where are you putting your faith it to in another sense right and it develops and cultivates a lot of these atrophied faculties that we have instead of relying on the intellect so much it's like well let's just put you in a forced interaction with another person where you have no control over where it's going and what's being said and, and you don't really have time to think about what you're going to say or or how you're going to respond but you're just going to respond quickly and immediately and we're going to see what happens and the interesting thing about that process and and as you see the training through to kind of its quote unquote end is that there's this whole part of you that's capable of responding it's not in absence of the mind but there is another part of you that's completely capable of responding to the moment very quickly before your head can really figure it out and not only can it respond but it can respond so intelligently and so fully to what's going on right that what it means for an actor giving a performance is that your emotions are actually coming along with it you're you're actually your emotional life is able to respond to it without you having to like try and will yourself to some emotional state it's just like oh wow this this thing this in i have the these other intelligences working in tandem with my head mm -hmm. you know it's still there right it's still but it's in its right place right and and so it kind of reconfigures a lot of those things and and you know i think that a lot of things that are true in art are true in life as and and vice versa i mean art and life as i've said many times on this show like they're they're not different things they're actually deeply entwined things like they have to be about each other otherwise they're not relevant yeah. <laughs> so anyhow should we uh do you have something you want yeah, to want to tap in all right okay. well it just you know to your final note is that um i think why like why we want to do art so much is because we want to live and you know i think about it, it's like that kind of whole practicality of like if you were to ask you know, people, what they'd want to do, what they truly want to do, it would probably have to do something to do with creativity or art or, you know, some type of maybe even physicality or adventure. You know, there's like this, like there's these things. And well, why you can't make money from that? And it's not practical. And it's all this stuff, right? So um, I think what's, what is interesting about, you know, I'm just realizing this, like even these conversations that we have is that, it is kind of 
the only way to heal in this modern culture is that we have to go back to art and maybe physicality and maybe adventure. And um, maybe you could say that there's art and physicality and adventure and there's adventure and art and physicality and whatever. And maybe these things are all tethered somehow. But the thing is, is like, yeah, like, look, if you're in an emotional state and you like, you know, instead of taking a pill or watching TV or doing some thing, go and, and like exercise. Like, like, and people don't want to do, it's like the last thing you want to do, but honestly, it's the best thing you could possibly do. Um, you know, go on an adventure, go into somewhere unknown into nature. That like is another solution or, um, one of my favorites. And, uh, especially if you're an artist, uh, you know, use it in your art, take the feeling. And if you're a writer, start writing. And if you're an actor, read a monologue with that emotion. You know what I mean? Because once you start doing something with it that gets it out in a new medium, you're going to find that the head can't grab it quite as tightly. And so I think there's a certain thing of this mesmerization. We get, you get mesmerized because you allow yourself to get mesmerized. Like when you sit down and watch a movie, you could get up at any time and leave. But you're like, I'm in the middle of the movie. I can't leave. It's like, yeah, you can. You could just fucking get up, walk out of the theater or whatever, like turn off the television. And sometimes I do this to myself. I'm just like watching something and I'm like, this is kind of shit, but I'm like, I'm comfortable. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. And I just turn it off. I'm like, hey, so I can go do something else. Like, and and, it, and it's, it's, it's a disruption and it's difficult in some ways. But if I could just, turn it off. I can just stop. I'm like all of a sudden free of it. And I feel like there's something about this conversation and mesmerization, which is about that. It's just turn it off, switch gears, go a different direction. And, um, you know, I would say like, if people are looking for a solution, I, I, you know, and there might be more, but about three that I do know work for me. And, and, uh, is, is if you're get physical, if you're standing still, get physical. That's a great change. If, um, if you need a reason to go do something, go on an adventure. And and I highly suggest you go somewhere you haven't explored. So it could be on a hike into nature somewhere, or it could be just go for a drive or go for a walk. What I used to do is I used to just walk down the streets and I'd be like, I'm taking a left here. I don't know where this goes. Let's just find out. And that would break the spell. And the other thing is, is my acting teacher would say this when I was, when I first started and she saved my life in a lot of ways, June B. Wild. But she would say, you know, you'd come to class and be like, I have this emotion going on. I don't know if I'm going to do the scene. She'd be like, use it. Fuck. <laughs> and I love that because it was always so fun. It worked. Like it, it would teach us things about the scene and about acting that we never would have ever imagined. And, uh, you know, so just if you have an emotion, use it creatively into something and beautiful things can come out of that. So anyway, Evan, share the beer and let's wrap this baby up. Right. We today are drinking from Bomber Brewing in Vancouver, British Columbia. It is there. Where is this? It's called their Outspoken. Oh, I said that's so Canadian. <laughs> we got our Oot, Oot Spooken. <laughs> it's, I say it more American, for people like the little, the little idiosyncrasies between Canadian accents and American accents is like, like a, kind of like a, an American accent would be like out, outspoken yeah, yeah. as opposed to like the Canadian out, um, out spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get around it now. <laughs> outspoken IPA, uh, from Bomber Brewing. Uh, it says a hop forward and balanced 
not doesn't say a hop forward. It says hop forward and balanced, a Pacific Northwest India Pale Ale with light body and dry finish. That's unintimidating, but confident. I like it. It's been good. Yeah, I, I was feeling, I was feeling kind of in an IPA mood today, so that's why I picked it up. And uh, it's been going good for me, Brandon. Yeah, no, it's been a good beer. Um, you know, honestly, I was like, like I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't get an IPA today. But this is, <laughs> this has been really good, actually. I, you know, and I, I like how they kind of described it at the end here. It's unintimidating but confident. I feel like that's a good, you know, it's a good description of this one because it's. Yeah, it's an IPA, but it's not so like, oh man, I'm just, I'm like getting smashed in the face here with this, you know, which some days, you know, that's what I want. But today I just, like, I just wanted a nice, easy, breezy, you know, and this is nice, easy, breezy, confident. So it does have that kind of quality, not intimidating. Um, do you want me to wrap it up or do you want to? I'm easy, man. Whatever you want to do. Oh man. You go first. I can go first. Well, I'll let you finish it off. Let me go. Um, all right. So a few things that we, a few notable things, I just want to kind of go over, um, this, this idea of healing as opposed to managing, I think is a good way for us to look at this mesmerization thing. Because if you're mesmerizing yourself from the past or the future or whatever, are you doing it to just manage or are you doing it to heal? And I think that's a good question to ask yourself because when you look into the past, um, you know, you like, why are you looking into the past? And like, are you doing it to like, I always try to ask myself, are you like, what, are you trying to get something out of this? You know, like, what are you trying to get? Cause we're always trying to get something like, uh, like and usually it, it's simple. It's just, I just want to feel a certain way or I want to feel better. Right. And so, um, I do think there's a certain amount of when we have an uncomfortable feeling, this kind of desire to feel better makes us take on actions that, are maybe not serving us and we kind of get mesmerized in this whole idea of like, yeah, this is, you know, this is how I deal with it. And it's like, so for me, um, you know, one of the things that I, I want to take forward in this conversation for my own life is like, when I go to like those things that are like managing the feeling, I want to ask myself is like, if I'm about to do this activity, am I doing this to manage this or am I going to do this to heal the feeling? And I think sometimes I don't want to hear the answer to heal it, but heal it might mean, well, why don't we just sit with this feeling? And like also to take my advice further is why don't you um, change your environment as well? Do something different, like, like get out of your, like if you're feeling it in your house and you're in this comfortable place, like let's, let's just go and like sit in the sun or go down to a beach and feel it. Let's just, let's just, you know, let's just change it up. Because I think that there's a certain element of we need disruption in our life. So, um, you know, I would say like uh, part of um, the problem with mesmerization is that when we're mesmerized into something we don't want to be mesmerized in, we need to disrupt that. And we might get mesmerized again, but get mesmerized mindfully is my suggestion. And that's what I think I'll try to do moving forward. And also I think, yeah, like, there are some times where I'm going to just need to manage. I, I get it. I'm going to have to just get through the day or the moment or whatever and, you know, and just manage. And then I can, you know, return to sender. <laughs> we'll deal with this later. There are going to be moments and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to decide if, if that's, a, if this is a moment that needs to be managed, I'm just going to decide, you know what? That's fine. That makes sense. You got to manage it. 
and we'll we'll deal with this later. This is not the appropriate time. Fine. I'm not going to make myself wrong for that. I'm not going to be like, it's always healing all the time. But if it if I can heal it, if it's not something that has to be managed, where I actually could sit with it, and yeah, it might be an inconvenience, I'm going to try to look at the longevity a bit of my life and instead kind of go, well, like, if I could just do like, like 0.1% healing on this right now, if I could just make this a little bit, like if I can just get a little bit better of a relationship with this feeling, then let's just try. Let's just do it. And you know what? I try it. It doesn't work. Ah, if I can go back to your management strategy, whatever, but at least you tried. And, and I think that that disruption will help me. So I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things I could say, Evan. I'd say the thing that I'm just going to leave everybody with is, yeah, we have these powerful minds that mesmerize us. Um, so choose your disruption is what I would suggest. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Yeah, I think I'll just piggyback off of that one a little bit. You know, those were really sort of, I, I had some similar closing thoughts, which is, you know, like how, how do you break the spell? You know, like what do you have in your, in your, in your life to help to break down the mesmerization trick that your mind plays on you. And, you know, we talked about a few of those things like, you know, like meditation or getting out into nature exercise, you know, like exercise, there's like, you know, part of the intelligence of that is like, well, yeah, cause it's about getting part of that is about getting you into your body, right. Which has its own kind of intelligence. It's, there's these ways of, of like, okay, let's take all of the, the focus, all the, all the thinking and all the thinking about thinking, you know, um, going back to Alan Watts, he talks about, he's like, well, if you never take a break of, of thinking about thinking, how do you have new things to think about? <laughs> you know, you got to go and do something that gets you out of that, um, in order to, to have even new things to think about. Right. So, you know, what are some of those things that you do to, to break, to break that, that spell a little bit? And yeah, you know, and, and recognizing as well, this whole thing, you know, that trick coming back to the beginning of this, that you mentioned, you know, the, the past and the future, like that's one of the biggest tricks that, that mesmerizing tricks that we have is that capacity to look into the past and look into the future. Although as you've already commented on, it's like, you know, we're not really quite accurately remembering those things, you know, like we're, we're remembering a, a memory of it. You know, there's, and it's not actually happening, right? It's like our, our experience of that thing in this moment is our experience of us remembering that thing happening in the moment, not the actual thing itself, right? And that the more we're spending time in that being mesmerized by, by the past or by that, you know, gazing into the, into the future, you know, and, and whatever our fears are or guilts are about those things, we are actually not in contact with reality, right? There's like, that's, that's a thing that, that I think we have to, to really, really grasp. You know, I'm not even going to say that I, that I have that because that's just how powerful the mesmerization trick is, is that it makes itself feel so real, it makes itself feel like this is the, the most real thing. And, but we're actually, 
it's actually taken us out of contact with the only reality that exists, which is this moment right here and right now. And that's not to say that if you find yourself in those moments, you're saying it's not about making yourself wrong, right? But saying like, hey, that makes sense, right? M- maybe this thing happened to you, right? And you're afraid of that thing happening again. And you're, and you're in that thing. That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Have compassion for the thing, right? And I think uh, what was saying? It's like, like calm, compassionate, and curious, mm-hmm. right? About, about those things, because that's, that thing is an intelligence, right? That's an intelligence that has maybe had a lot of neglect over <laughs> for, for some time, perhaps, and treat it as such, treat it as something with, with a high degree of intelligence, something that's more intelligent than your intellect in many ways. And I'd like to say the intellect is more intelligence, is more intelligent in the way that it is more intelligent but it can never be more so than these other things like our emotional intelligence. The intellect can never be more emotionally intelligent than our emotional intelligence, right? Um, And whatever makes that whole thing up, I won't get into that. But give, give those things the respect and the compassion and the consideration that you give your mind, right? Like that, that... So you mean like give your your feelings the respect and and room to to exist exactly yeah like give them the same level of of voice authority i don't know what word you want to give it but you know give it the same level of respect you know because we don't right we try and as we've been saying like most of the time we're just trying to override it with our with our minds just like no let's let's try and figure out a way to divert this thing or you know whatever it is and it's like hang on a second like this thing is this thing is speaking really loud right now you know and there's probably a very good reason why this thing is is speaking loud it's just i think most of us have been so ill-equipped with the tools for how do we engage with that thing? We've been cutting ourselves off more and more and more as time has gone on, making ourselves, trying to make ourselves more machine-like, whether that's like an actual conscious thing or not. I think it's mostly an unconscious thing, but it, it, regardless of how it's happened, when it started happening, it's happened, right? But I think that we've talked about some really, really useful ways of, of, of approaching it and and continue to to find ways for yourself for hey how do you how do you engage that with with that intelligent life that's inside of you that goes beyond the intellect and and let it speak let it inform and 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 let it heal Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.